uh, just share a couple of things with you just before we uh, turn our attention to the word, which we'll do pretty quickly. Uh, first of all, um, it's with sadness that I announced that one of our longtime members and longtime staff members, Sister Esther Weaver, who has served with us for many years, many of you have called or come to the church. She's been our receptionist and the face of the church and the voice, the heart of the church. And uh, she uh, went to be with the Lord last week. She slipped away into eternity. And uh, her homegoing service will be uh, this coming Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. where we will celebrate her life uh, as she lived it here and her life as she's shouting in the presence of God now. But we give God thanks and praise for Sister Esther Weaver. Let's put our hands together in celebration. This is the sixth week in our series, How to Get Through What You're Going Through. Uh, we're beginning to close that series up today with a kind of A and B closure. Uh, same theme for this week and next week. Uh, has the series been a blessing to any of you as we've worked our way through this? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, in preparing this week, I realized that I haven't had a chance to do something here that I often do almost daily with my family in the context of thinking about loss, which is what this series has been about, that often comes in unexpected ways and in unexpected times, death and etc. I just thought that I would just pause just a moment uh, since we never know what tomorrow will bring and just take a moment and just say to you guys here at ALCF, what a pleasure and a joy it is uh, to be your pastor, to be the preacher here most of the time, and just how much I love you guys, and, uh, and what a privilege it is to love you. Thank you. Open your Bibles, if you will, to... Uh, Two passages of scripture, both in the book of Isaiah. Uh, the first is Isaiah chapter 43, beginning uh, reading at verse 1. And the second is in Isaiah chapter 45, beginning reading at verse 2. And thank you for honoring the reading of God's word by standing. Listen to the prophet Isaiah as he writes in this most familiar passage. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But now, everybody say, but now. O oh, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O oh, Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed, redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Syria 
in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored. And I love you. People of God say amen. amen. And then Isaiah chapter 45, beginning verse 2. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. Secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you to this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. There is the reading. May God bless our hearing respond. People God say amen. Lord, you know this broken piece of flesh that I am, and you know it so very well. All my inadequacies, nothing to hide from you. So you know why I need you to work a miracle today and fill me with your spirit to overflow and bring a word that will be the means for you to illuminate our minds and heal our hearts, strengthen us right where we are. And do it in such a way that all of us will leave here just a little different, both those who listen and the one who preaches. And we ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Let me give you a little homework right off the top here. A number of passages that we are reflecting on uh, last week, this week, and next week. And so, uh, as a way of context, I encourage you to go home and read the book of Ezra, the first six chapters in particular. Uh, the promise that God makes to Cyrus, his call is actually fulfilled in chapter 1 of Ezra. You should read that. And then it uh, starts in chapter 1 and goes to verse six, chapter 6. And then uh, I encourage you to read and study and just stay right there in Romans chapter 8, which we started teaching from last week. It's a Primarily around verse 17 all the way through to the end of the chapter, verse 39. Those are some, just get in there and listen to the message and then just work through those texts. And uh, that's, your, that's your Bible study, your homework uh, assignment. Uh, you got your homework, say amen. amen. All right, all right, all right. Repeat after me. <clears throat> Treasures hidden in the darkness. Say it. As we have worked through this series over the last six weeks, the last five weeks, how to get through what you're going through, we have done it with me being very much conscious of the scores and scores of stories I hear every week of many, many of you who are right now going through and living through horrendous tragedy and loss and pain. Right now, uh, all across this congregation, there are a number of young families, especially in the last six months, that have been grappling with the news that 
they are infertile, infertility. They will not be able to give birth physically to their own children. Right now, among us, among the thousands who gather here, there are a number of wives, an increasing growing number, who husbands, because of some midlife crisis or some other insanity, uh, after about 20 years, just gets up and walks out and has abandoned their family. Right now, in our growing YouTube community, uh, folk who watch us from all over the country, perhaps there's someone in Colorado who's uh, staying with their daughter or staying with a best friend because a month or so ago, a flood came out of nowhere and ripped through Colorado and they lost their home and all of their history. These are just some example of a wide number of variety of ways how people have experienced loss. And they are just some example of why so many of you right now find yourself living in a place of thick, dense, feeling almost like inescapable darkness. And the Bible has something to say to you if that's where you are. It has two things to say to you. First, through Psalms 22, we find the words that are actually articulated on Jesus' lips as he hangs on the cross surrounded by darkness. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Jesus, in articulating that, says to all of you who are feeling like I'm in the midst of just inescapable darkness, he affirms your feelings. He says, your feelings are real. He says, it's not because you're a weak-kneed Christian. He's saying it's not because your faith is minimized. No, no, no. He says to tell you that, you know what? It's all right to feel what you are feeling because when the earth comes apart from beneath your feet, it just hurts. It just hurts. So it's all right to feel like I'm surrounded in inescapable darkness. But then in Genesis chapter 1, the Word of God has a second thing to say to those of us who awakened this morning feeling like we're in the midst of dense, deep, inescapable darkness. And it points to chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And it says that right in the middle of the darkness where you are, there is... An unexpected discovery, right in the middle of the darkness. The text actually says this, chapter 2. The earth is formless and void, and darkness, everybody say darkness, is upon the face of the deep. It means that in early stages of creation, in the chaos, the only thing that exists is water, In the midst of a blanket of darkness, swirling and howling winds. And then it says, here's the unexpected discovery. The Spirit of God is hovering over the deep. Now, in case you missed it, here's what the text is suggesting. Yes, you may have awakened this morning right in the midst of thick, blanket, dense darkness. But the unexpected discovery is right in the darkness with you is the Spirit of God. 
you obviously missed it, so let me just say it again. (laughs) You may have awakened this morning right in the midst of deep emotional darkness because your relationship has fallen apart, because your job has been lost, because a, a diagnosis has put you in a place of sickness, because all trouble has broken loose, and, and it just feels like you're surrounded by darkness. And guess what? You are. But guess what? In the middle of that same place of darkness, God is there. The text would suggest that God could be easily missed because God is there silently. And then, this is exciting. There, we don't know when, but there was an echo that filled the darkness. And we heard, let there be light. Right out of the darkness. And, 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 and here is a place where science and uh, scientists and theologians, they agree. I just always like to point out these places where religion and science is not in conflict. We get there different ways, but we get to the same place. Listen, both scientists and theologians will agree that darkness or that light uh, has somehow originated inexplicably out of darkness. Come on now. Now, I actually believe this is what happened. God spoke into the darkness and his word released the light, y'all. And, 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 and it's from his word that the light came. And when the light came, come on now, the text says that in verse 3, God separated the light from the darkness and called the light day in the darkness. Now, he goes on and all that. And it talks about the sun. And so here's the good news. Uh, when I think about the light that came in the darkness, two things come to my mind that are treasures in the darkness. Number one, whatever the darkness is that you're in, God is there. Number two, whatever darkness that you're in, that's all right. He may be silent, but somewhere down the line, he's going to speak and you're going to have an encounter with the light. That's his love, y'all. And his love is always connected to a greater plan. You see it in the text, right? That when the light comes, and science teaches this, that when the light came and shined, that's when life developed beneath the sea and fish started to swim and whales started to move. Come on now. When the light came and started to shine, that's when the vegetation on the land, the grass grew and the flowers bloomed and the trees stood up. Come on now. And the bees started to hum and the birds started to fly. When the light came, y'all, when the light came, come life showed up and so John wrote in the beginning was the word the word was God the word was with God all things came by him without him nothing came that is and in him was life and the life was what the light come on now when the light came the next time you're in trouble look for the sunlight and slip in the sun and that's a reminder God loves me and his love is connected to a larger plan do you know you can be standing at the graveyard I've been there many times burying folk and suddenly the sun shines 
And that's God's way of saying, don't be afraid. My love is here. And this is not the end of the story. Come on. There's a larger plan. Somebody shout resurrection. Let me tell you two stories. The first is in Isaiah 43. It is a story of a people that we know as Israel. But before Isaiah 43 came about, there was a fellow who was the grandson of Abraham. His name was Jacob. Jacob married a woman named Rachel. They had 12 boys, became the 12 patriarchal heads of 12 tribes that ultimately became the nation of Israel. And so when Isaiah often deals with the nation of Israel, he always connects their presence their present moment to their historical origins. And so he always says, this is what the Lord said to you, O Jacob, who created you. This is what the Lord said to you, O Israel, who formed. He keeps you connected, you see. And the text says that 43, the story opens. God's people wakes up in darkness. It's called exile in Babylon. And they've been there 70 years. Some of you have been grieving for a long time. Some has been six months. Some has been a year and a half. Some of you are in your third year and your life hasn't really been able to get straight. You wake up every morning still in the midst of this thick, inescapable darkness. But the text begins with these words, but now. Everybody say, but now. Oh, God has told me to come and tell somebody here, but now. Yes, there's been a divorce, but now. Yes, someone you love died, but now. Yes, you've lost your house, but now. Yes, your finances is all messed up, but now. Your business has gotten out of whack and it's about to collapse. Yes, but God says, but now. Say, but now. Uh, he says, he says, uh, but now, oh Jacob, listen to the God who created you, oh Israel, the one who formed you says, here it is, wherever you are, listen to him. He says, do not be afraid. Say that with me. Do not be afraid. You see, here's the two points. I've already named one. One thing that we are the treasure is that God in his love is in the darkness with us. Number two, and I'm just going to only talk about one treasure today, and that, and, that, and that one treasure is simply the eternal God, come on now, and his uh, uh, all-conquering love, and it begins with the words, do not be afraid. Now, how many of you know when God loves, it's more than sentimentality. When Paul writes in Romans uh, verse 38 of chapter 8, when he writes, For I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. He's not suggesting that he's convinced that nothing can make God stop feeling like he loves us. Uh, while feeling is involved in God's love, uh, God's love is, is far more than sentimentality. It's far more than feeling. When I first really saw my wife 28 years ago, now, I had met her. I didn't say when I met her. I said when I first 
really saw her. Because when I first met her, she was sitting in a little chair in a long line of folk. And the auditorium was full. And she had a brown coat. And she was wrapped up in a brown coat. And I caught a glimpse of her. And I waved and kept moving. But the next day or so, I was standing in front of the, of the uh, student union building right across from the cafeteria. And I saw a young lady walking down. Did I say the sun was shining? And there was a brightness about this girl that, that, that captured me. I, I, tell, I still remember she was dressed in all blue. She had a, she had a, a, a blue uh, 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 scarf around her, her, her head and a band and her hair dropped over. And she had on a, a, a miniskirt, y'all, right, right there. Come on now. And that girl walked down and she stopped traffic. People were having accidents. And, 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 and she, come on now. <laughs> and, and, and that's when I saw her. And when I saw her, I felt something. <laughs> I felt something. I felt something. I felt the love. It was love at first sight. Or so. <laughs> but the love that produced our wedding, our marriage, after 27, 28 years, Lord have mercy, help me. <laughs> it's more than a feeling. Come on now. The love that, that, that is active, that, that gave birth to what we have today, uh, uh, it, it has redemption worked in there. It has purpose worked in there. Come on. It has a claim worked in there. It has forgiveness worked in there. It has dreams that have died and dreams that have been born worked into there. We've stood at caskets and funerals together. Come on now. We've worked through poverty together. Come on. We've been mad and fought with one another. We've forgiven one another. And, and the love that I'm talking about today. Come on now. It has all of that. So when I look and see that woman sitting right there in that fine suit with them boots coming up, I still feel something. But it's more than a feeling. It's a commitment. It's all. It's an action, y'all. And so when Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? He's talking about more than a feeling. There are three realities uh, that both uh, Isaiah 43 and 45 uh, point out. And in that story, Israel is in exile. And God has already decided before there was an Israel, before there was a Jacob, God had already knew that they were going to end up in the darkness of exile. Uh, and before there was a Cyrus, come on, before there was a great-great-grandfather, God already decided that he was going to raise up a fellow named Cyrus, the king of Persia. That's chapter 45. That he already had a plan that at a certain point, God was going to bring his people through the darkness. And so he says, but now, come on now. And then he says, don't be afraid. And then there are three distinctives that come after that. And one of the distinctives that defines the love of God is he says, uh, 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 because I have called you by name. That is the designation of a purpose 
that even darkness can't put out. Chapter 45, we see, we make the connection. Second story. There's a little boy who grows up in Persia dreaming of becoming a leader who will lead a powerful nation that will become a great kingdom. He just doesn't know that the dream that he has, even though he doesn't know the God of Israel, was put there by the God of Israel. And he grows up. He does not know that the kingdom that he's going to lead is a kingdom that God has ordained because God wants that kingdom, Persia, to destroy the power of Babylon so that his people, the Jews, can be set free and go back and build the Jerusalem temple. All he knows is he wants to be big. And somewhere in his journey, he hears verse 2 and 3. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus. Level all the mountains. Smash down all of the, uh, 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 the gates of bronze. Cut through the bars of iron. And then I will show you, I will give to you treasures hidden in the darkness. Secret riches. What God was talking about was that the Babylonians had a peculiar habit of burying their wealth in, in vaults beneath the ground and vaults beneath the water so that in case the city collapsed and they had to escape, they could come back sometime later and recapture their wealth and rebuild their lives. But God was saying to Cyrus, I, I picked you and I'm going to show you where that wealth, those treasures are buried because you, that's what you're going to use to finance the building of your kingdom so that I can get you powerful enough so that you can defeat the Babylonians and so my people in Ezra chapter 1 will be set free and you'll authorize the rebuilding of my temple in Jerusalem, come on now, which will be the everlasting sign that God declares, I love you. Don't be afraid. There's a greater plan. And then comes these words. I'm doing this so that you will know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who has called you by name. I've designated a purpose for you, and I've designated a purpose for Israel, and I've designated a purpose for you despite your marriage, and a purpose for you despite your work, and a purpose for you despite the disease, and a purpose for you despite the broken kids, and a purpose for you despite what's in the house, and a purpose for you despite your disability, and a purpose for you. And I'm telling you, despite all that has gone wrong in your life, God declares, all things I'll cause to make to work together for the good for those who love me and a call according to my purpose. Don't be afraid. Verse 4, by the way, Cyrus, why have I called you to do this work? Why have I called you by name when you didn't even know me? Watch this. It is for Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. Summary, 
God raised up a pagan king to bless his holy people. Summary teaching. Don't ever get too confused by labels because labels will mess you up. That's what's going on in D.C. right now. Republican and Democrat and progressive and liberal and conservative. And they can't even talk to one another, shutting down the government. Don't get confused by labels. God is not distracted by labels, y'all. Don't even get confused by religious labels. He's a Christian. He's not. He's saved. He's not. Listen, let me tell you what the real action is. Keep your eye on God. God will take an unsaved professor and get you into a Ph.D. program. God will take an uncircumcised, come on now, uh, a boss and promote you on your job. God will take, come on, a, 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 a no church going surgeon and keep you alive on the surgeon table. God doesn't need your help. He'll take anybody anywhere and bless his people. Just keep loving him. And don't be afraid, even though you're in the dark, because I'm there. And my love has within it a purpose that even the darkness won't snuff out. And then the second, you're looking at Isaiah 43, the second thing that jumps is he says, don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. That word means redeemed. I have redeemed you. And I did it, watch it, even before you were born. I was in Lake Charles, Louisiana, many years ago, running a revival that's in the African-American tradition. That's when preachers are invited in to a particular church and preach a series of services, usually during the course of a week. And I was preaching for my friend E.J. Alexander in church in, in, uh, in uh, Lake Charles. And he put me up in a nice, we were struggling back then and all that, and he put me up in a nice hotel. I'm going to tell you my definition of a nice hotel then and now. <laughs> it had free breakfast. <laughs> and uh, about 6.30, the aroma came uh, up under my door, awakened me. I got up and got dressed. I didn't need the alarm clock, went down to where the breakfast was, and it was buffet style. And uh, uh, this in the south, you know, so southern cooking. And so I got my plate, and right up there was these golden biscuits. I got two or three of them, put them on my plate, and I came over here. There was all these grits, and they were cooked just right. Not too soft and runny, but not too hard. Just right, y'all. And then there were the eggs. Boy, they, whoever cooked them eggs knew just what they were doing. And it's both golden yellow and just, just, just perfectly textured. And I put the eggs down and I put that down on the thing. And then I went and got me some drinks. They had these, uh, uh the juice machines. And so they had, I got an apple juice. I got an orange juice. I got a grape juice. And I can't put all that down. <laughs> to tell you the truth. And then, and then. And then I'm from the country, as you know, I remind my wife of this regularly. Uh, and, and so I got the eggs and the grits, and I mixed them up together, because that's what you do in the country. And, and, and then I put it on the fork, and I got ready to put it, eat it. I was, I was imagining what my mama used to cook, my grandmama. And I put it in my mouth, and I was waiting on the experience. And I was shocked. These were, this was the worst egg and grits I'd ever eaten. It was so bad. 
I wanted to really just get rid of that that was in my mouth, but I was a preacher. People was watching. I had to swallow it. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to have to just break this out in the trash and just get some fruit or something. But then I had a thought. Maybe the grits and eggs can be redeemed. Maybe God knew in advance that I was going to show up and that the, the, the stuff was going to be bland. So maybe he already ran ahead of me and put some stuff in place. And if I just look around and find it, the eggs and the grits could be redeemed. So I looked on my plate, I didn't, on my table, I didn't see nothing. And so I looked over to the next couple of tables and I saw it. Salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> <laughs> so I went over and I got that salt and pepper and I took it on the eggs and the grits. Come on, I turned up the, come on, I turned it up. Say, turn it up. I, I, I turned it upside down and shook it down. Come on now. And, and then mixed that thing up and I put, I ate it. And, and, and the text jumped loose in my life. Taste and see the Lord is good. Yeah, y'all didn't know it, but I'm right in Romans 8 verse 30. Come on now. God says, I've got a love for you that predates you. Before there was a creation, I loved you. Before your great-grandmama existed, I loved you. Before your parents showed up, I loved you. And not only did I love you, I put a plan in place because I knew you were going to show up in darkness. And so the text says, come on now, that, that, that those, uh, verse 29 says, that, 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 that he knew in advance those who he had chosen to be like his son, Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Then here comes verse 30. Watch it. He says, uh, 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 and having chosen them, you're part of the them if you believe, having chosen them, uh, he called them to himself. And having called them to him, uh, he gave them right standings with himself. And having given them right standing, come on now, he gave them his Glory, And he did all of that before you even existed. Because the tense of the language is all past. Started in the past, continues in the future. And so then Paul writes this. He says, knowing these things, the problem is you just didn't know it. Knowing these things, what should we see about all these wonderful things? Verse 31. He says this. If God is force who could ever be against us and Paul links it to a dying cross a dying Christ on the cross that's what those other three questions come in the text and what he's suggesting is when Jesus died on the cross come on now he took death captive he robbed uh, 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 sin, hell, and the grave of the victory. And he showed up on the other side and he sees you in your darkness. And from his pinnacle place in eternity, he turns his grace upside down. Y'all ain't listening. And he begins to shake on you right in the midst of your darkness. And he says, Don't be afraid. I've already secured the victory. Just believe in me. I'll bring you through. Shout hallelujah. His love will restore the seasoning to your bland life. 
sucked out by pain and loss. He says, I have redeemed you. And then he says, here's the last point. Not only do you have a purpose that cannot be snuffed out, my love contains it. Not only is there a redemption that intends to sanctify you and move you to the ultimate destiny, my love drives it. He says, you have a distinct identity. Here's what he writes. Don't be afraid. I know you're hurting. Don't be afraid. I know you're lost. Don't be afraid. I've got purpose. I know what the doctor said, but don't be afraid. I still got redemption. I know money is gone, but don't be afraid. Come on now. He says, you are mine. Just like you are. With your freckles and your wrinkles and your mistakes. I know you were thinking last night about that loss and you're just running through your mind. You're so guilty about what you should have done. He says, but you are mine. I know you're concerned about that marriage that broke up and you know that it was a big part of what you did. But he says, you are mine. I know the doctor has used words like inoperable and terminal. And, and you're trying to think about how much longer do I have on the planet. And, and what, but, but God says, you Here's the question. This is what we struggle with. How do I worship a God and believe a God and trust a God when I believe that what has come to me has come from him? When I believe that the hurt that has come to me, he's done it. And so in order for God to get you, you got to reposition your thinking and line it up with who God really is. And you got to move from thinking that what has happened to you came from God to understanding that what has happened to you has happened to you and God. Did you catch it? Let me help you. If you are a parent, you know. That when your grown children get into a whole lot of trouble, you're in trouble. It carries you with them. Even if you say you're on your own, you still can't sleep at night. Anybody knows that when a couple loses a child or loses a house or a business, what determines whether or not they stay together and grow together or grow apart is whether or not they conclude that the loss is one of the other's fault. Because if they conclude it's the other's fault, they'll most likely grow apart. But if they conclude that the loss is just a part of living in a broken, fallen world, and that what happened, happened to husband also happened to wife, that it happened to them, it pushed them together. You're listening to me. <laughs> Listen. 
The reason Christ ends up on the cross is to give you an undeniable picture that whatever has broken loose and gone wrong in your life, at the base of it is sin. And what sin has done to you, it has done to you with me. Let's back it up theologically. In Genesis chapter 2, 7, it says, And God shaped humanity out of the flesh, out of the dirt. And then he breathed into him the breath of life. And that, theolo- that, that German uh, theologian Bergman said that an invisible covenant appeared between God and humanity. And God says, uh, I'm tied to you. And so whatever happens to humanity would ultimately happen to God. And that's why God ends up on the cross because he had to do that to redeem. Come on now, go to Exodus chapter uh, 3, verse 7. You hear uh, Moses standing before the burning bush. God, well, how come you let my people be in four generations of slavery in the dark and you didn't show up? And God says, I know you're asking. You didn't say it, but I heard it in your heart. And let me give you the answer. Wherever I was, come on now. He said, I heard their cry. He said, I saw their suffering and I know their pain, their sorrow. What he means is this. I'm so tied to my people that when they got hurt, I didn't just see it and hear it. I felt it. Y'all ain't listening. Come on, come on, come on. And when Jesus got ready to be born, just to prove the point, angel said to Joseph and Matthew, call him Emmanuel. God with what? So in Isaiah, this all comes back together because in Isaiah, come on now, he says, don't be afraid because I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Check it out. And when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. Y'all ain't listening to me. Come on now. When you pass through the rivers of trouble, whatever it is, come on now, you won't drown. Why not? Didn't say you won't feel like you're drowning, but it said you won't drown because I'm with you. I'm the Lord, your God. Come on, when you go through the fire of oppression, you won't burn. Didn't say you wouldn't get burned. Didn't say you wouldn't get scarred. Say you won't burn up. The flames will not consume you. They won't have the last word. Why? Because I'm right in there with you. I'm burning right in there with you. What happens to you happens to us. Who can't worship a God like that? Who can't serve a God like that? Who can't trust a God like that? Who can't bless a God like that? That's why Paul writes in 38, uh, uh, nothing can separate me. From the love of God. He says, I'm convinced. You know, Kay, I'm finished here. Kay Warren says, when they lost his son, she had to get through it. She's still trying to. She said, but she takes a cross. Not a crucifix, but a cross. An empty cross. It's the victory cross. Say victory cross. She says, she puts it in her hands. And then she says, some of y'all ought to try this. She says she takes a blanket. It's her blanket of faith. She just puts it around. And she remembers that before she was born, God knew it was going to happen. And he already went ahead. And there's a treasure in the darkness. And he's going to give her what she needs to get through. Come on now. And so she starts walking and just remembering what Paul wrote. For I'm convinced... That nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
nothing. Somebody shout nothing. Come on, not death, not life, nothing, not, not angels, not demons, nothing, not fears of, uh, for the day and worries about tomorrow, nothing, not even the powers that are in hell can separate me from the love of God. It's an act of love. It's a love with purpose. It's a love with redemption. It's a love that calls me by name. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Uh, nothing. Not, not even in the sky. No power in the sky above or in the ground below. I'm convinced that in all creation, shout nothing. Nothing shall ever separate me from the love of God, watch this, that is revealed in Christ Jesus. He didn't say Jesus Christ because when Paul talks about the resurrected one, he switches and he puts the title in front and the name behind. Y'all ain't listening. And you know what Christ means. It means the anointed one, the deliverer, the savior. Come on, nothing. It's been, God's love has been revealed in the, the anointed one, the Messiah, the deliverer, the victory gain. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Shout hallelujah. Everybody stand on your feet. Come on, give God a hand praise. He's worthy. He's a good God. I'm, in, I'm about to invite somebody to change your life right now. I'm, I'm, giving you, I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment to change your destiny. Get ready. We're here to schedule, so just hold your spot. I'm going to give somebody right now a chance. So listen to me. God says, you don't have to be able to explain me. Trust me. He says, I know it's too hard to ask you to do that in the abstract. That's why I sent my son Jesus to prove to you that the reason why what has happened to you has not taken you out is because my love binded me to you. It happened to us. I saw the tears. I wept with you. I felt the pain. I stayed up all night with you. And what I want you to do now, God is saying, I've walked with you all these years, but you haven't really trusted me. I poured my blood out as a symbol that there's nothing that can go wrong in your life that I can't both defeat or forgive. But you've ignored me. I went into the grave where all of us will ultimately end up. But I tied up death and I robbed the grave of its victory. And you really need me. But you're just too scared to trust me. But the promise that my servant Paul wrote about and P.H. just finished preaching about is for you. And I put it together before you were born because I've loved you before you existed. Therefore, I will love you always. But you have to accept it. My love is a credit card tied to a trust fund. 
you, you didn't know, but your daddy has more wealth than uh, the fellow who owns Microsoft, Bill Gates. I want to be the father in your life. And it's not about money. It's about value. It's not about where you live. It's about an eternal hope. I want to turn your life right side out. Right side up. Not overnight, but I'll do it over time if you trust me. And somebody right now, you hear me. And you hear God. You're shaking in your boots. But trust enough to come and take my hand. You can come now. Just leave your seat. If you don't want to walk by yourself, say, walk with me. I need what Jesus and Jesus alone has. I don't just need sentimentality. I need a love that guarantees my purpose, that drives my redemption despite my own brokenness, and that declares that I am His no matter what. I'm going through the fire. I'm going through the flood. I need Him to hold me and turn my horror into a victory. If that's you, I just want you to leave where you are and I just want you to come right now. Just, just make your way to me now. Something is, here he comes right now. Here he comes right now. Come on, there's some others. Here she comes right now. Here she comes. Here she comes. Here he comes. Here she comes. Here she comes. Bless you. Come on right now. Bless you. There's some others. There's some others. There's some others. There's some others. You can stay up. You can stand up. There's some others. Praise God. Start moving. Praise the Lord. Come on, come on. Here she comes. Here she comes. Keep celebrating. Here she comes. Here she comes. Just come now. Come now. Jesus said, my arms is wide open for you. He's calling you now up in the balcony. You can come in the chapel. You can come. You can come. You can come. You can come. Come. Here she comes. Here she comes. Keep celebrating. Keep celebrating. Here she comes. She's coming. It takes courage to come. It takes faith to come. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come. Praise God. Here they come. Here she comes. Here she comes. Keep celebrating. Come on. Just say, I'm going to go for it today. Just say, I'm going to go for it. Just leave your seat. Just leave your seat. I don't want to leave like I came. I don't want to stay where I am. I'm going to go for it right now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We say this every week, and people say it, and they actually act on it. I know it's a lot of people in here. You're just saying, I'm just so shy. But first of all, these people are nothing compared to the millions upon millions. Here they come. Bring them on. Praise God. Come on up here. Listen to me. These people are a small representation of the millions upon millions of angels in heaven in eternity right now. And they're all standing on tiptoe expectancy. And when you hear us applaud, it's being backed up by millions of angels applauding just because you got up out of your seat. Come on up here. You can get out of your seat. You, come on. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm, I want to make heaven happy today. I'm, I'm, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. Come on. I'm going to leave. 
I'm going to leave. I'm going to get all that God has for me. You can still come. I don't know what awaits you out that door. I can promise you this. If you take Jesus with you, you'll be more than a conqueror. Even if death waits you, it's still true. You'll be more than a conqueror. You can still come as I talk to these. You know, don't miss that moment. The door has opened. The opportunity is there. Walk through it. You see, you won't be by yourself. But when you stand before Christ, you will be standing just on your own. But he says, I'm ready to say, you are mine. You can come as I talk. Listen, y'all. Look at me, all of you. Here's the good news. I don't know what darkness you're in. I don't know what mistakes. I don't know how your life has come unglued. I don't know. Come on, come on. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on up here and find your spot. Here she comes. Here she comes. Come on. Come on. I don't want you to miss. Come on. Come on. Here he comes. Bless you, brother. Here she comes. Here they come. Shout hallelujah. (laughs) Say thank you, Jesus. Here she comes. Here she comes. Come on, keep celebrating. Here she comes. (laughs) Isn't this a beautiful day? Can you feel the sun shining in this place? He's got a greater plan. That's what I want to tell y'all. It really... On one level, doesn't matter. Because God says, I'm with you. I love you. The shame, the guilt, the fear, just push it out of the way. Because I've called you by name. I've redeemed you. Right now and forever, you are minds. It only takes it for you to say, I believe Jesus that you died on the cross for my sins. You broke the neck of death. Got up with all authority. I confess that I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. But I want to accept your adoption papers right now. And if that's you, and if that's y'all, just say Amen. Come on, celebrate, celebrate. This is good news. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you. And Pastor Tilden and Pastor Erica over here. And they're going to want, for those of you who want to figure out what's my next step. They're going to minister to you, meet you, and help you figure that out. The rest of you say, well, I just wanted to come and you can go back. Whatever you want to do, we're not forcing you. But let's pray. Jesus, wow. Thanks for being the sunshine in this place. 
Thanks for telling these young and older people, don't be afraid. Thanks for confirming an act of love in their life. Thanks for saving them. Seal them in your salvation. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Whatever they face, remind them in the secret place that with you they have overwhelming victory. Help them to hear your voice. Baptize them repeatedly in your Holy Spirit. Not just when they're in a church house, but when they're in their own kitchens. And in the restaurant and driving in their cars. And riding the bus. Pull them close. In Jesus' name. Thank you, the enemy has been defeated. Amen. Bless y'all. Y'all want to go and go.